0: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, eat and drink joyfully because of what you have done in the days gone by. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. We find ourselves leaving now the golden gate of Ramadan. We find ourselves, as it were, at the graduation ceremony, hmm? this joyful occasion, having passed not through our own strength but through the goodwill and the mercy of the examiner, this diploma. And what have we learnt? Not facts and figures, but something much deeper. We have learnt that sabr is possible. We have learnt that it is possible to say no, even to our crudest and most animal desires for those long days. And if we have learnt that we can indeed say no, and we therefore triumph, he has triumphed, who purifies himself. If we can overcome even those base desires, the most elemental cravings for human fulfillment and survival, then we know that we should be able to deal with the lesser desires, the inner desires for fame, for showing off, for lying, for competition, for backbiting, for pride, for all of those ugly things within us, we should be able to say no to those as well. What a great lesson. InshaAllah, a lesson that we have taken to heart. Another lesson is that we are capable of saying Salat al-Fajr, the dawn prayer. For so much of the year we say, Oh, I'm working tomorrow. Oh, the prayer is early. Oh, it's difficult. Oh, I was watching Netflix until two in the morning. Oh dear. But now we've learnt. Day after day, morning after morning in Ramadan, <laughs> because of the wisdom of our being incentivized to rise for suhoor, we pray fajr, inshallah, with our families in that most blessed hour of the day. Was subahi Ida Tanafas, The dawn when it breathes. When the day is just starting at that time when there are so few distractions and when we can say the dawn du'as uh, Allahumma inni as'aluka khaira hadha al yawmi wa khaira ma fi," oh Allah I ask you the best of this day and the best is what is in it we begin the day at the top of the day in the best way with the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we've learned in Ramadan that we can do this so let us all and we are all lazy and man is created weak have the intention of keeping up that beautiful practice for the rest of the year. Another lesson, another subject inscribed on the degree certificate of those who graduate from the Ramadan University. The Holy Prophet, sallallahu used to love the surah which is traditionally recited in the Eid prayer. Suratul ala الَّذِي خَلَقَ فَسَوَّى وَالَّذِي قَدَّرَ وَالَّذِي أَخْرَجَ الْمَرْعَى فَجَعَلَهُ ahwa. Even if you don't know a word of Arabic, it's so beautiful, it's almost intoxicating. The sounds and the harmonies and the syncopations, everyone knows that this is <laughs> a great word. And it says, glorify the name of your Lord, the Supreme, who created and made everything even. Who guided and who brought out the stubble, the grass, and made it russet again, presumably in the autumn time, and it's about nature. This surah that was beloved to the chosen one, Salawatullahi wa was about nature and the cycles of nature. We know that this is an important thing for our religion, which calls itself din al fitra. The religion of the fitrah, which could be translated very simply and crudely as the religion of nature. We know that the Chosen One, salawatullahi wa salamu alayhi, when he chose the milk and not the wine at the highest moment of the mi'raj, was told by the Supreme Angel, Hudita lil-fitrah, you've been guided to nature. He chooses the milk, he does not choose the wine. He chooses the milk that comes naturally from nature and not the wine, which is a corruption of nature and which does away with a human capacity for balance and restraint. Again and again in the Qur'an and the Hadith, we find this beautiful emphasis on nature. The Qur'an is the book of nature. The chosen one, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in his beautiful natural city of Medina, with his green dome and the great mountain and the palm groves, he is the prophet of nature, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he says, alayhi this is a hadith in Imam Ahmad, narrated by Anas bin Malik, قال, قال الله الله If the Day of Judgment should come upon one of you, and in his hand there is a sapling which he is planting, let him complete its planting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Lord of history. He knows when that great terror will come. Our responsibility is to be cultivators uh, and greeners of his earth. This is a commandment. In Sahih al-Bukhari, there is a whole chapter. Bab fadl al-zara'i, wal-ghars. How beautiful. In Bukhari, we have a chapter called The Virtue of Planting and Sowing. The Virtue, fadl this is in the kitab al-muzaraa the book of agriculture which is also like the book of gardening and gardeners love these hadiths also from anas bin malik radiyallahu an "Mā min muslimin yaghrisu gharsan aw yazra zar'an fa minhu tayrun aw insan aw bahimatan illa kanat lahu bihi sadaqah never does anybody sow a seed or plant a plant from which a bird eats or a human being eats, or an animal eats, but that it shall be a sadaqah, a charity for him. (laughs) What a beautiful idea. You plant something, and then perhaps you forget it. And for the remainder of the lifetime of that beautiful living thing, as the animals and the birds benefit from it, you receive the sadaqah from that. No wonder Imam al-Bukhari calls this a chapter of fadl, of merit, there is merit in sowing, and in sustaining green things. So Surat Al-A'la, which we recite, and the Eid al-Fitr, which is the festival of the breaking of the fast, Fitr, very close to Fitra, should remind us in these times of the importance and even the holiness of life itself. Who has not walked in a forest or seen the beauties of nature or the wonders of an animal, even if only in a zoo, and felt the miracle and the beauty and the wonder and the peace that comes about when you experience that natural phenomenon. This is normal to human beings because it is normal for us to be in nature and to be part of nature. And the modern world takes that away from us. The modern world has been a war against nature and climate change is a sign that the modern world is at war with nature and they don't really know what the response should be. Why? Because they are in the grip of this desire. This endless desire of the nafs Mm -hmm. which leads to this Yaslan al-Kubara, in the next world the greater fire which is lifeless and in this world also it seems the fire of climate change and global heating. This is what happens when we allow our hearts to be furnaces for greed and all of those passions which we try to get on top of during the month of Ramadan. It's the result of human greed and the greed of the wealthiest as well. And it's not the fault of traditional civilizations and it's not the fault of the religions, it's the fault of materialism, Hmm. of the howa of the desire of human beings for more and more and more, and the world sustains more and more blows until eventually it starts to crumble and to collapse. Which of the world's 193 countries is said by the United Nations to be most at risk from climate change? Bangladesh. So many of our blessed community here in Cambridge are respected people whose roots are from Bangladesh. And if you go there, you see that the river seems to be getting higher and the villages are falling into the sea and the monsoon is failing or it's coming too hard and people are suffering. The poor are suffering because of the rich materialists of this world gobbling and flying and consuming and breaking and burning and it is the poor who suffer. So it is our responsibility to be people who talk not just about the usefulness of life but the holiness of life. That we see in the miracle of life, truly a miracle. Not just something that sustains us as our life support system, but as something that reminds us of where we are from and where we are going. That speaks to us of the one who calls himself Al-Hay, Al-Qayyum. The one who calls himself al muhi the bringer of life. What a mystery it is. The world is full of mysteries. Despite centuries of scientific breakthroughs, the big mysteries have not been resolved by science. Why is there something rather than nothing? No answer. Why is there life and not just death? No answer. How did the first cell emerge? The very first cell and every single cell in our bodies and there are billions of cells in each of our bodies. It's a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Each one of those cells came about through the division of another cell and that came about through the division of another cell right back to an unimaginable past and some scientists say maybe four billion years ago. But how did that start? How out of the dark dumbness of matter did the miracle of life emerge? The lipids necessary for the creation of the boundary around the first cell, how did that happen? The proteins. How did that happen? The sugars necessary for the energy processes within the cell, where did they come from? The capacity of the very first cell to divide itself into two further cells that would then be the ancestors of all subsequent cells, how did that happen? (laughs) The scientists can't even define life. Is the coronavirus alive? Don't know. Or is it just some strange way for replicating a, a gene? Don't know. The basic questions they don't know. There's more than 130 different scientific definitions for life, which means they don't know. How did it start? How is it possible? How is it so sustainable? Why is it so beautiful? Don't know, don't know, don't know. And then the mystery, which is the supreme mystery of life, which is consciousness, the human being. Unlike any other order of creation, one trillion species on the earth they say, one of them is this supreme mystery. This mystery that can indeed listen when the Creator says, قَدْ He who purifies himself has succeeded. No other animal can do that. They are animals. Beautiful, perfect in their place as umam, as nations like yourselves, but they can't really take these decisions to say, I will not eat. I will overcome appetite. Why? Because I hope for the iftar, and I hope for the iftar in the presence of the chosen one in the jannah, and for that I will forsake my eating and drinking. Out of those one trillion species, only one can do that. What is that miracle? The miracle of consciousness, of mind, of morality, of choice. That's the deepest miracle of all. But his matrix is the matrix of life, without life, that can hardly exist. So we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regularly alerts us in his book to this mystery of life. He is Muḥy Malta, the one who will give life to the death. Yukhrijul Hayya min al al He takes the living out of the dead and takes the dead out of the living. There is this great cycle. The atoms from which we are composed were once part of rocks and clouds and water and something else. And now through his wisdom, in his organizing of the laws of this creation, they come together to form our extraordinary unlikely selves. (coughs) And then they will vanish again on our death and we will be returned to the earth. Once again, this is the cycle. (coughs) Except for that miracle which is not part of the cells or the atoms within us, which is the miracle of consciousness and knowledge and ruh. Ah, that supreme miracle. That miracle goes on. So we find ourselves in a scientific age that's also an age of ignorance. Where do we come from? Where does the world come from? What is the basis of matter? Where are these physical laws from? Where is life from? Where is consciousness from? Don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know. That is not the place we look to for answers. But the Qur'an, this beautiful celestial song, this harmonious rhythm, which we lose ourselves in rapture in during the nights of Tarawih, this extraordinary Tartil uh, says yes, yes, yes. The only coherent explanation to all of these is Allah, 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 Allah. And we have answers. And the answers are deep and apply to the heart. And the answers is what allow us to see the world and to see its beauty, and to see in the world the beauty of al hayy al-qayyum, the alive, the self-sustaining, the miracle of al-muhi, that alone seems to apply to the miracle of this planet, which is the sole habitat for human beings. Poor old Mr. Musk wants to take us all to planet Mars not realizing that Mars is already a planet that's been destroyed by climate change, and in which billions of dollars of experiments and Mars rovers and Mars probes have not discovered one single organic particle, not a cell, not even the tiniest fragment of something that exists in its trillions within any human body, nothing, dust, carbon dioxide, radiation, a hell. But he wants us to go there. This is not a solution. The solution is for us to remain here and to follow the prophetic way. To read this chapter in Bukhari, to plant, to sow, to repair. It seems to be the function of the secular world to destroy while boasting of its progress. But it must be the function of the religious majority of mankind and not just the Ummah of Islam to repair. Where they pull up, we must plant. Where they are greedy, we must be restrained. Where they gorge, we must fast. It is the function of Bani Adam, in his role as Khulafa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this earth to heal, to fix things, to be muslihun, to be those who put right. How strange is the mentality of so many secular people in this earth, where they see science and technology as leading us into some kind of paradise on earth. Not happening. Look at the state of the earth look at the state of people's minds, look at the depression and the anxiety, look at the collapsing planet beneath our feet. This is not progress. So what do we do? Every one of us has this answer within reach. We have this blessing way, this way of living in a natural and restrained and natural way within the world, which is called the Sunnah of the Chosen One, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Let us not think, brothers and sisters, that sunnah is simply a very, very, very long list of do's and don'ts. Things that you do, that seem almost random, that make life sometimes more complicated that we do in order to win treats in the afterlife. Allah's treasure houses will certainly be open to those who, out of love for the chosen one, followed this sunnah. And we should never hear ourselves saying, this is only a sunnah. Nothing is only a sunnah because the sunnah is the best thing and the most beautiful thing in every circumstance. So instead, let us see the sunnah as a ship of salvation, as a lifeboat that takes us through this increasingly stormy sea, that allows us, as humanity traditionally did, to celebrate the rising, the setting of the sun, the phases of the moon, the cycles of nature, to give praise for the things of nature, To hear, insha'Allah, if we are close to our Creator, Azza wa Jal, the praise of nature, the tasbih of things, a gift given to many of the Anbiya, Sayyidina Dawood, Sayyidina Sulaiman, Sayyidina Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they could hear the speech, the tasbih of the birds and the animals, subhanallah. We have not reached that degree. But as we encounter nature, we should be sure that every order of nature is giving praise. This is the difference between the person of the Sunnah and the person of the Jahiliyah. The person who wishes to celebrate the garden which is this earth which Allah has in his generosity conferred upon us in all of its expanses and the person who sees it just as an opportunity for mining natural resources, consuming them in generally fruitless ways and then burying the broken and contaminated waste in holes back in the earth and that becomes his main activity. On earth. Let us not be like that. Let us be people of restraint and people of joy. People of balance and people of happiness. People who read Surah Al A'la and know, qad aflaha man tazakka. He who purifies himself, and the literal Arabic sense would be harvest, aflaha, is like falah. Falah is harvesting in Arabic. You are planting something that will grow beautifully, a flower in your soul, and it will be an inconceivable garden in the next world. Let us be agriculturalists. Let us be harvesters. Let us be gardeners. Let us not lay waste to Allah's world. So these are some of the messages that we learn in this blessed month. And as we end the fast, we recall that genre in our poetry that says, Let the believers as they flock to their aid prayer after the fasting month recall the day when after fasting from forbidden pleasures throughout the days and years and decades of their lives flock to the Lord of the Worlds, to the place of resurrection, to the Yawm al-Jamah, to the place where people are gathered to face Arham al The one who has allowed us to pass this exam, inshallah, is also the one to whom we will be gathered on the Yawm al Jam'ah. Eat and drink joyfully because of what you did in days gone by. Peace. A greeting from a generous Lord. As we come to the Eid and we congregate here and we celebrate Allah's Tawfiq in bringing us to this point and we wonder whether indeed it was a good Ramadan for us or a bad Ramadan. Let us just remember that final gathering and inshallah for the believers that final joy and that ultimate and never-ending, never-to-be-interrupted iftar which is his gifting not of sordid pleasures but of pure pleasures to those he, whom he loved and to those whom he forgave and to the people for whom the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa has interceded even though they were people of Kabair as he says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shafa'ati li ahli al-kabair min ummati my intercession is the people of, for the people of mortal sins of my ummah and we know that we have done bad things and maybe during Ramadan we thought more clearly about those bad things and what do we hope for? we hope that at the final day, at the final aid, at the final gathering there will be the chosen one sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when everybody else is saying nafsi, nafsi, myself, myself, in that terror of that day, confronting what they did. yawma sarair on the day when all the secrets are brought forth and all of our hidden and vices are there, publicised shamefully for all the world to see and we are in a state of panic and anxiety and despair. The chosen one, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, will not be saying nafsi, nafsi, myself, myself. Any more than when he was in Medina and Mecca, did he say, myself, myself, but he put the message and his community first. Huh? He will be saying, ummati, ummati, my Ummah, my Ummah, And he will be holding liwa al-hamd, the banner of praise. And he will go before the throne of his Lord. This is all in the sound hadiths. And there will be inspired in him such words of praise, and tasbih, and glorification that never occurred to mortal mind before in human history. And he praises his Lord, and it is said, Ya Muhammad, ishfa' to shaffa' He is told by the Lord of the throne, O Muhammad, intercede, your intercession shall be granted. We need that. We need to focus on that. The prayer of the perfect chosen one is a perfect chosen prayer. We need that for us to overcome, to blot out all of the things that we have done that were not worthy of the rank of a believer. And this is why on this day, and insha'Allah on every day, and insha'Allah after every prayer and after every Adhan, we ask for blessings and peace on the Chosen One sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that these blessings may reach him, that insha'Allah on the final day he will remember us and include us in that final prayer, the last prayer, the answered prayer. So let us always remember this practice, Durud Sharif, offering blessings upon the Chosen One, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because perfection deserves to be blessed, and because on that last day, perfection will bless us. And it is through that prayer that countless thousands, countless millions, will be taken out of punishment and led, through no virtue of their own, but simply through His virtue, into the final garden, the place where nature exists in all its pure archetypal perfection, forevermore. No climate change there, no global warming, no erosion, no destruction of the monsoon, no pollution, only selam and peace and peace. Our final abode, the garden of the refuge, the place where all of our sorrows will be healed, the place where the water of the divine mercy will finally blot out the dirt within us, and we will be as we were at the day of Alastu bi Rabbikum, saying, Bala Shahidna. Yes, we bear witness, and witnessing in that place, in that inconceivable vision, the Ru'ya, the sight of our generous Lord, the greatest ni'mah, the greatest blessing which could be imagined or which can't be imagined. Uh, and then we will realize why he calls himself Rahman, Rahim, and why we are fortunate to have in our ummah as our leader, our Commander-in-Chief, the one who is Nabiya al-Rahma. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إلا رحمة للعالمين So let us hope for Allah. Let us hope for the intercession of Rasulullah. Let us not be distracted. Let us not think that the Aid is just an opportunity for partying. Let us reflect and give thanks. In some of the old Muslim stories, about the great days of the Khilafah, of the Bani al-Abbas in Baghdad. It is said that there was a crazy man called Bahlul. Odd, eccentric, said things that people found strange and inappropriate. But the Khalifa, Harun al-Rashid, really loved Bahlul. And he was allowed to take liberties with the Khalifa, even though he was the most powerful man in the world. And once on the Eid al-Fitr, the Khalifa, the commander of the Muslims, went out on his splendid horse to lead the Aid festival and procession. And everybody was amazed at his golden robes and his turban of silk, and his thousand horsemen with swords of gold. And it was Baghdad in the great days, one of the glory days of Islam. There was the Amir al-Mu'mineen, the Khalifa, going to read the prayer of Aid, And as he's processing through the main street of Baghdad, there in front of him is jumping Bahlul, interrupting this procession. Everybody is angry but the Khalifa loves Bahlul and says, leave him be. And what does he say? (laughs) What is his lesson? He stands in front of the Khalifa and he recites a poem. The festival is not a matter of dressing up in fine new clothes. The festival is celebrated by serving Allah and being aware of your Lord. To celebrate the festival is to be sultan of the heart, not sultan of the realm. Sultans of this earth path into oblivion, but the sultan of the heart is never forgotten. To celebrate the Eid is to be delivered from divine punishment at the resurrection. The Eid is not just a matter of wearing perfumes, but of being sorry for one's sins, repenting, and not committing them again. The festival is not about riding on horseback, but about giving up faults. We need to remember this. So many stories of Bahlul, another one which I like. Once, because the Khalifa the loved him, he would let him wander around the great palace of Harun al-Rashid wherever he wanted, the famous palace of 10,000 rooms and seven concentric walls. It was the wonder of the world. Bahlul could go wherever he liked, and no one would stop him. One day, Bahlul finds himself in the throne room. There's no one around. There is the mighty throne, the taht from which the world is governed. Bahlul sits on the throne, kind of enjoying it. It's not very comfortable, but it feels nice for this crazy man in rags to be sitting on the throne. The guards suddenly come in, and of course, they're horrified. No one is allowed to sit on the throne of the Amir al-Mu'mineen except the Khalifa, Harun al-Rashid. So they pull him down, and they start to beat him. And they give him a real beating. Suddenly, in comes the Khalifa, and he says, stop, stop. What are you doing to my friend Bahlul? And then he sees that Bahlul is crying. And he says, I'm so sorry. They must really have hurt you. And Bahlul says, Yeah, Amir al-Mu'minin. I'm not crying because of their blows. I'm crying because of this thought. I sat on that chair for 20 minutes and I got a beating. What will your fate be? You've been sitting on it for 20 years and then it was the time for the Khalifa to weep. This is religion which upends things, which tells us that, Indeed, brothers, to Allah, all things return. Humility, brokenness, an awareness of our weakness, these are some of the gifts of Ramadan, the countless gifts in this curriculum of this course that we've just passed through, so many precious gifts We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this month that he will accept the best of what we have done and overlook the worst of what we have done.